Thank you so much to our praise and worship team. And can we just get a good round of uh, clap offering? Because God is good and he's worthy to be worshipped. Well, good morning. Good morning, everyone. I am more than blessed to be here with you this morning. Our majors are in Guam at an officer's council. So I am uh, very happy to stand here in the stead for them. And uh, it's been a great weekend, huh? How about our UH Warriors? Oh, so close. I don't care what Bram says, I am always a proud alumni. Anybody from YNI in the house? Right? How about our YNI Sea Riders? Victory over Mililani. So it's been a great weekend. If you're from Mililani, we love you too. All right, so. Can you believe that it's mid-October already, right? The holidays are just around the corner. It's only like six weeks to Thanksgiving and 10 weeks to Christmas. And I'm not trying to put you in a state of panic, but I am just giving you a friendly reminder to have a holiday plan and stick to it. Like don't go nuts and run yourself in deep debt. Sometimes the greatest gift you can give is a kind word, words of affirmation and acts of love. For the past six Sundays, we've been talking about creating community and the power of small groups. Today, we're going to shift gears a little, and we're going to talk about the power of the tongue, how our words can create life or they can create death. And before we do that, let's just bow our heads in a little prayer. Father God, your word says that life and death is in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat its fruit. So help us, O Lord, to use our words to sow good seed that would bring fruition, that which is pleasing unto you and useful to expand your kingdom. Father, I pray that your word would be spoken today, because it is only your word that has the power to give new life to all things. Amen. All right. So if you have your bulletins, on the back of your bulletin are your sermon notes. And number one in your sermon notes is Proverbs, that life and death is in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat its fruit. Proverbs 18, 21. This morning, I'm going to take us into the book of Ezekiel. Many of us are familiar with the name Ezekiel, because of the clothing line, or it's a name we might have given to our child. But I don't know that many are familiar with the book of Ezekiel in the Old Testament. I'm taking us into the book of Ezekiel, chapter 37, because it illustrates for us the power of speaking God's word. Where literally Ezekiel speaks what God tells him to speak, and death becomes life once again. So let me set us up to get our bearings about where this story happens and in what time frame it happens. So this story takes place after the death of King David and after the death of King Solomon, who is David's son. And Solomon's son, Rehoboam, is now king, and he makes a decision regarding taxes that causes another leader Jeroboam to organize a revolt against him. The nation then actually splits, as you see up there, 
with the kingdom of Israel being in the north and then the kingdom of Judah in the south. Unfortunately, however, both live in disobedience to God. And it is because of this disobedience to God's law that God allowed the northern kingdom of Israel to be taken into captivity by the Assyrians in the 8th century BC. And then less than 150 years later, during the 6th century BC, God allowed the nation of Judah, who still continued to sin against God, to fall to the Babylonian Empire. Many Jews, including the prophet Daniel, which you are probably familiar with, and his three friends, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, were taken as captives. Ezekiel the prophet is also taken into the Babylonian captivity during this time. So you see, Ezekiel and Daniel lived during that same era. So who's Ezekiel? Well, he's a prophet. And when we think about prophets, we usually think about prophets as somebody who foretells the, the future. And prophets in those days, some did that. But God raised Ezekiel as a prophet to proclaim the will of God to his people. The book of Ezekiel is about the disobedience of God's people, the punishment of God upon his people because of their disobedience, and then the restoration because God has an undying love for his people. So let's get into it. Into Ezekiel chapter 37, verses 1 to 13. And in this chapter 37, God has given Ezekiel a vision. And it says, Ezekiel says, The power of the Lord was upon me, and I was carried away by the Spirit of the Lord to a valley full of old dry bones that were scattered everywhere across the ground. He led me among them, and then he said to me, Son of dust, can these bones become people again? I replied, Lord, you alone know the answer to that. Then he spoke to me. Then he told me to speak to the bones and say, O oh, dry bones, listen to the words of God. For the Lord God says, See, I am going to make you live and breathe again. I will replace the flesh and muscles on you and cover you with skin. I will put breath into you, and you shall live and know that I am the Lord. And then Ezekiel says, So I spoke these words from God just as he told me to. And suddenly there was a rattling of noise from all across the valley, and the bones of each body came together and attached to each other as they used to be. Then as I watched the muscles and flesh formed over the bones, and skin covered them, but the bodies had no breath. Then he told me to say to the he told me to call to the wind and say, "The Lord God says, "Come from the four winds, O spirit, and breathe these slain bodies that they may live again." So I spoke to the winds as he commanded me, and the bodies began breathing. They lived and stood up, a very great army. So, that would be pretty freaky. I mean, can you imagine standing in a graveyard where the bodies weren't even buried, and it's just dried up bones for as far as you can see? 
And then because God tells you to, you speak to them, and the dried up bones start to move and reconnect. And then tendons and ligaments and muscle start to form, and flesh starts to cover it all. And there's, there's actual people, like tons of people lying before you, but they're all still lying dead. Until, like Ezekiel says, he speaks again, and God tells him, as God tells him to, and then this army begins to arise. Now that's like crazy power in the word right there. I mean, literally, people are being resurrected from the dead. Not just dead, but being bone-dry dead. Meaning they had been dead for a very long time. And in verse 11, Ezekiel says, Then he told me what the vision meant. These bones, he said, represent all the people of Israel. They say, we have become a heap of dried out bones. All hope is lost, is gone. But tell them, the Lord God says, my people, I will open your graves of exile and cause you to rise again and return to the land of Israel. And then at last, oh my people, you will know that I am the Lord. Amen. Church, aren't we much like the people of Israel? We live in disobedience to God's word, and we want to do things our way until the things of the world take us captive. And then if we continue to live in disobedience in a life without God, before long we find that that meaningful life has been sucked out of us, and we become like dry bones and feel like all hope for a bright future is gone. Church, what in your life has become like a dried-out heap of bones? Like it's just a skeleton of what it used to be. You feel like there's no life left in it, and it feels like all hope is gone. Look at verse 7. God told Ezekiel to speak to the dry bones, and Ezekiel does exactly what God says. He says, dry bones. See, he calls them what they are. Church, we don't have to be in denial about what our situation is. We can call it what it is. And then Ezekiel says, listen to the word of God, because it's not our words that can resurrect the dead, but only God's words that can do that. God tells us to speak to the dry and seemingly dead situations in our lives. Call them what they are, and then say what God says to speak life back into it. Might it be your marriage that has gone the way of dry bones? You know, like the spark is gone. There's no life left in the relationship. Well, speak God's word into that marriage, and God can bring new life. He can put the pieces back together and restore the love to where it used to be, and even better. When you've been married almost 34 years, like me, you can bet that there have been some very dry seasons that we have had to fight through for this marriage. I learned to pray, Father, help me. Help me to be that Proverbs 31 woman, to be the wife that Jerry needs. Please give me the wisdom and the strength to be your light in his life. Help me to honor him even when I don't feel like it. You see, I've learned over the years that it's not Jerry against me 
or me against him, but it's the both of us against the enemy who has come to steal, kill, and destroy our marriage. That's in John 10, 10. You know, when we replace our toxic words, because yes, I've spoken those to Jerry, with the precious word of God, and then pray those words out loud. We pray the word that is live and active. Church, God's word is capable of changing hearts and minds. We are praying the mind and the will of God as revealed in his word into our marriages. So husbands and wives, pray with hope, pray with boldness and confidence, and God will be faithful to honor his word as you speak it. I'll tell you, church, that God is faithful. You may not see Jerry with me here in church every Sunday, but while I get to come here to minister, guess who's at home taking care of my 85-year-old parents? He actually spends more time with them than I do, and they absolutely love him. In our almost 34 years of marriage, he has always served my parents well and never, ever spoken one ill or disrespectful word to them. Jerry enjoys cooking, doing the laundry, cleaning the bathroom that I so cannot bring myself to touch. <laughs> and then when I leave here, I get to go home to a great meal, to a clean house, and a husband who loves unconditionally, just like Jesus. And men, this is not a pass for you to stay home from church. You are called to be here in this house. And if I didn't have the valleys in my marriage that God walked and sometimes carried me through, I would not have the passion and compassion that I have to be an encourager for other women. Ladies, we need to speak life over our husbands and always see his glass half full instead of half empty. How about our children? I'm sure that we can all remember something that was said to us when we were kids that was so hurtful that even today it can trigger some ugly feelings in us. What words are we speaking to our children today that either builds them up in the way that they should go or tears them down and makes them lose confidence and belief in the potential that God has placed in them for a greater destiny? Number two in your sermon notes, watch your words, they become actions. Watch your actions, they become habits. Watch your habits, they become your character. Watch your character, for it becomes your destiny. So this next slide, this is Nainoa. Nainoa is my grandson with the long hair. We have 10 of them. He's seven years old. And I know it's such a joy to us because he believes that he can do anything and he really believes that he is the best at whatever he does. He just speaks life over himself. When we had the hero run, there were two courses. One was the keiki course, which was like about a mile or under a mile. And the other was the adult course, and that was like a 5K, 10K. And the day before the race, I like packed the grandkids in the car and I drove them around and showed them the two courses. And I know I looked at the keiki course and he said, Grandma, that's all? And I said, yeah, and I know that's because like for you guys, the little kids. And he said, I want to see the big course. So I drove him around to the big course and he said, Grandma, I'm going to run this one and I'm still going to win. 
And he's so funny that way because he really believes it. But I made him run the keiki course because I wasn't about to run the adult course with him because I would have to supervise him. But he actually came in. He was the first to finish on the keiki course because he, it's his belief that he can do all things, that he is a winner, leads him to work out with such intensity. Like he works out like a maniac and he actually enjoys it. It is a habit working out that Dainoa has come to enjoy. And that habit has spilled over into his character. We got a text message from his teacher. And his teacher talked about in her text about how much she loves Nainoa because he arrives early to class to put down all the chairs for his fellow students. She loves how he always says, yes, please, or no, thank you. And on top of that, he's getting all A's. So we believe that Nainoa has a great destiny ahead of him. We believe that for all of our 10 grandchildren, and we speak it. Church, what are you believing for your children? We believe, if you believe, you need to speak it. Speak life over them so that they hear you saying those words of encouragement to build their belief in their accomplishments. How about your job? You love it, you hate it, speak life into it. Philippians 4.13 says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. See, at your job, you're not there by accident. You are there on assignment to be God's agent of change and to speak life in the dry bones area of that workplace. You are there to bring light and hope and to cultivate a spirit of excellence. You are anointed to be the best at whatever you do with the best attitude. And you are also anointed to deal with that difficult coworker. Church, let's not be a graveyard of dried up bones in our homes with our family, at our workplace, or in our church. The graveyard is full of unfulfilled hopes and dreams and destinies never realized because of negative words spoken over people that killed their potential, or words that should have been spoken but were not because we lack the knowledge of God's word to do so. In your sermon notes number three, the easiest way for evil to triumph is for Christians to say and do nothing. This is an election year. Need I say more? Church, go vote. It's your duty and your voice. Whether we're victimized by something terrible in our personal lives or depressed about the apparent dismal future ahead for our beloved United States of America, know this, that at the end of the day, we can still celebrate victory because of what Jesus did at the cross. The Bible says in Romans 10, 9, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and you believe in your heart, that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. It doesn't matter what kind of craziness is going on in this world, you will be saved. Number four in your sermon notes, you can only be a victim for so long, and then you become a volunteer. And please hear me on this. I don't say that to be insensitive. I don't say that in any way to minimize any trauma that you have been through, because the 
The hurt is real and is often long-lasting. But I say that to magnify the power of God's word to heal even the deepest of hurt and wrong done against you. John 5, the healing at the pool in Bethesda. You remember that story? It's about the invalid man that had been there for 38 years. And when Jesus saw him lying there and learned that he had been in this condition for a long time, Jesus asked him, do you want to get well? Sir, the invalid replied, I have no one to help me into the pool when the water is stirred. While I'm trying to get in, someone else goes down ahead of me. Then Jesus picks him up. When Jesus says to him, get up, pick up your mat and walk. At once the man was cured. He picked up his mat and he walked. Look at Jesus' question to this man. Do you want to get well? He had, this man had last, lost all hope and was speaking defeat. How many of us have been on, sitting on the sideline for 38 years, just wishing and hoping, but never doing anything to make a change? We have to want to be healed. We have to want the change. And when Jesus asks him if he wants to be healed, instead of saying yes, he just continues to complain. How many of you know people who are still complaining about the same misfortune from 38 years ago? You need to just stop. Then Jesus says to him, get up, exclamation mark, get up. Pick up your mat and walk. Church, sometimes the answer is right before us, but we're too busy complaining that we miss it. Say yes to Jesus and then pick up your mat and walk. Point five in your sermon notes. Don't sit in your situation. When we are hurt deeply and the scars are evident, it will take time to heal, and it may require us repeatedly speaking life, speaking God's word over the situation, whatever it is. Healing, forgiveness, financial failure, whatever your need is, it may take time. But good grief, don't let it be 38 years. Point six, and my last point, as I call the worship team back up to the stage. Church, say, I will speak life over every difficult situation. Say that with me. I will speak life over every difficult situation. Mark eleven twenty three says, Truly I tell you, if anyone says to this mountain, go throw yourself into the sea and does not doubt in their heart, but believes that what they say will happen, it will be done for them. Therefore I tell you, whatever you ask for in prayer, believe that you have received it and it will be yours. And when you stand praying, if you hold anything against anyone, forgive them, so that your Father in heaven may forgive your sins. Proverbs 3, 5 says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not unto your own understanding. In all your ways, honor him and he will direct your path. Trust the Lord. Trust the Lord. I was in Nandings the other day and I saw this sign that made me smile. Behind the counter, the sign said, in God we trust, all others pay cash. <laughs> Isn't that the kind of trust that we need? because God is good as cash. He's even better. 
And so church, there's a bookmarker in your bulletin that says speak life. And anytime you're feeling down, look at that and speak life, speak the word of God. And be like Nainoa, sometimes you just got to speak it over yourself. Like David, you got to encourage yourself when it seems like the world has turned against you. The praise and worship team is going to sing a song now. If there's anyone here that needs prayer, we invite you to come down here to the altar. And we have a, a, an, awesome pray, an awesome ministry team who just loves to pray with people because we believe in the power of prayer. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Church, did you receive a word from the Lord this morning? Take it with you. Let me close us in prayer. Father, Lord, thank you so much for speaking to our hearts, Father. Father, your word is powerful, Father God. Only your word can change the situation in our lives. So help us, Heavenly Father, to be on our knees, to be in your word, Heavenly Father, that it would be planted deep in our hearts, Father God, that we would be able to speak them, Heavenly Father, to create life where there was once death. And so, Father, we thank you, Heavenly Father, for who you are in our lives, Lord. And we thank you, Heavenly Father, that you sent your Son, Jesus Christ, to die on the cross, that we would have everlasting life. And so, Father, we love you. We give you all praise, honor, and glory. In Jesus' name, amen. <laughs>